Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Oh, there's just been a hydrant that has been opened up in my spirit. And uh, it's just amazing. If you're a teacher, a Bible teacher, or if you study the Word, you know what it's like when you have seasons like that where God is really speaking to your heart. And you know that He is. And uh, you know you just can't get it all down at one time. But tonight, I just want to take a few minutes, and I want to share with you. I want to share a little bit tonight. Uh, most of you know that we went to California, and I want to share a little bit of that with you tonight. But I want to read this passage of Scripture first because I want to have this in your spirit before we begin. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning, and I, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, writing to the Corinthian church. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech are the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I want you to hear that. Paul said, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul said, in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. When we read that scripture, many times we look at that passage and we think, when Paul said, I've come to you in a demonstration, uh, not with a demonstration of the words of men, but it, we think of it in power in the sense that Paul released uh, uh, a charismata or the gifts, which, which is, is not what the text is saying. It said, I demonstrated unto you in the spirit and power. So what he said was, demonstration in the spirit produces a response And when there's a response, then the power of God falls on the response. So Paul said, what I did was, is I demonstrated unto you, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I demonstrated to you. The word demonstrate, it means that 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 I led by example, that I led you, that I did, that I did before. So what was Paul doing? Paul said this, when he was in Athens... He made no headway because he argued with all of the philosophers in the synagogues. And so he tried to argue people into the kingdom of God. How many know you can't argue people into the kingdom of God? So Paul said, I've come with a demonstration. And the demonstration was that he walked in love. He walked in kindness. He walked in acts of kindness. He did those things that were good. He he showed and demonstrated Christ to the people then when their hearts were changed, when their hearts was changed, then the power of God would hit their life. And I'm here to tell you that the church has to move from this point of saying that we're just happy with response from people, that we now need to believe that God's power is going to fall on all those who respond to the demonstration of Christ in the day we live. How I many know we need to start demonstrating some things? We need to start demonstrating how much we love God. We need to start demonstrating our faith, demonstrating our walk, not just talking about it, but demonstrating it. How many know the church has left the building? It's time to touch a world by the heart and enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, they were not moved by their thinking. They were moved by their hearts. Their kindness, Paul's demonstration, moved their heart. And I'm just here to tell you that God is going to move on the hearts of people and so I want to talk about it a minute tonight, about demonstrating. And, uh, uh, and I want to talk a little bit tonight, and I want to talk a little bit about religious liberty. You know, um, last Friday, August 7th, uh, in California, in, in uh, Thousand Oaks, uh, the Ventura County State uh, Judge issued a temporary restraining order uh, to Pastor Rob McCoy of God Speak Calvary Chapel Church there in Thousand Oaks. Now, the restraining order was to prohibit the church from meeting under uh, the Governor Newsom's unconstitutional 
COVID-19. In other words, this is what the order said. The order said that they could not sing, they could not worship, and they could not meet. That is what the order said. And so that Friday, now, they had been meeting. In other words, they said by the order, if they would have church, if they would meet, that they would be violating that order and be contempt of court. Governor Newsom said that they could feed people as they did. They could shelter people. They could provide social services. But the same building they were providing social services in, the same building they were feeding people in, the same building they were sheltering people in, they could not hold religious services. Now think about that for just a moment. They could not hold uh, services. And so the same people in the same building could not hold could not worship or hold religious services. Non-religious services were not okay, or non-religious services were okay, but religious services were banned. And so the same governor encouraged, and uh, this is, of course, we know that all over America, people are protesting. They're allowing protests. They're allowing masses of people to gather in many different places. And so there was this ban on worship. Now, Obviously, this was a violation of one of our constitutional right. It was also a violation of our religious rights. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit tonight, and it's interesting. So Saturday, uh, I joined a group of pastors led by Brian Gibson of Peaceably.com, or Peaceably Gather. Uh, he's leading a group of pastors that are, that are standing up for uh, a lot of these religious liberties that are being violated. And we went to California to stand with this pastor. He decided. Now, he had been meeting and having services since May. Since May, he'd been having services. And all of a sudden, now they're cutting the services off. And they said, you can no longer have services. You have to stop your services. Uh, his church is well over 2,000 people. He has not one COVID-19 case in his church. Not one. He has not one COVID-19 case in his church. And uh, so we went out there. We went with a, a group of pastors and a guy by the name of Jim uh, Doman who leads a group of pastors uh, that's called Pastors Unite. There's 1,800 of those pastors in California. He leads them. And so we went out there and we met them there. And all we were doing is we were just wanting to stand with that pastor and be with him and this is what they threatened. They said, if you have service, we're going to show up. We're going to cite the first 1,000 people. They're going to get a citation as contempt of court, and they'll be fined, and they were going to arrest the pastor for contempt of court. Now, understand, Pastor Rob McCoy sat on the Ventura County City Council for years. He resigned in April when he knew COVID was coming, and he knew that there was going to be this backlash. And I don't know if you're familiar with California politics, but it's like cutthroat. I mean, it's crazy. They're mean-spirited. There's a hostility toward anything that has to do with God. But he was elected. He was, he was on a city council. He left the city council. All of those councilmen turned upon him, turned upon him, and, 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 and released this order to him. Now, this is interesting because... Here, he's been having services since May. He has no COVID cases. He is, uh, uh, they've been worshiping. They've been abiding by, by the CDC guidelines. They have sanitation stations. They, they, they tell people that they have a separate area for masks. They have a separate area for, uh, uh, they're, they're warning uh, people that if you are susceptible to the virus, do not come, you know, stay home. And so, but they, they gather together. They've been gathering together and they've not had one case. And, uh, and so he has, through this period, he has been having these podcasts with doctors uh, that's challenging the science of some of this uh, that is happening in California. He's had Dr. Jim Meehan on and done podcasts with him who talks about the dangers of the virus, that the dangers of the virus as, uh, as well as uh, the health of it, who's vulnerable, uh, who should be at services, who should not. But he's also been exposing some of the lies that have been told about in our nation to try to control and to control people into doing what they want them to do. And it's interesting because uh, he talked about uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, who at the beginning was against wearing masks. Now he's for wearing masks. 
they talked about, uh, he talked about the dangers that, that America should never have locked down. Because of the lockdown, what has happened is, is that the quarantine, that uh, he, 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 the doctor states that you should never quarantine healthy people. And he talked about how the fact that, that when, they, uh, when they did quarantine, how the economy dropped, how that there was a rise in every social woe there is. A rise in suicide. There is almost the number of suicides as there is COVID deaths. Isn't that amazing? There is a, uh, we are seeing alcoholism, child abuse, domestic. This is not, this is just not saying. These are facts. There is, there is this despair and despondency that has come out of it. Now, I'm not here to argue with you about any of that. I'm just telling you where they were and what's going on. And, and so they've, they've done these tests. They have, they, they've done all of this. But here's what was amazing. Let me tell you what, the power of God. This is how good this is. And, and then we're going to talk about religious liberty for a minute. What, what, what happened was is that when I went to CHOP and I walked into CHOP in Seattle, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what's coming to a city near you. It was a prophetic picture of what's coming. It was a prophetic picture of the lawlessness in our land. It was a prophetic picture of what lawlessness would be without God. Y'all read that in the Bible, right? Y'all read that in Genesis where lawlessness ran rampant and where every man was to his own. There were no police. There were no laws. You did what you wanted to do however you want. Y'all seen the young girl that was on there that talked about reparations, that being able to uh, loot. And uh, she said, if you loot a Gucci, if you steal from a Nike, that, that's fine because these people have to eat and that's reparations for all of the slaves. Listen, I, listen, y'all, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, they've lost their ever-living mind. I met that girl. She was there. She was at CHOP. I met her. And the same craziness was spewing. Now listen to me. Listen. This ain't about race. It's not about race, y'all. It's not about race. How many know we know? We know God, God loves every tribe, every nation. He died for every nation. God doesn't tolerate racism. The church shouldn't tolerate racism. We're not going to tolerate racism, right? And so, and so what began to happen is, is that what I saw was, is that I saw, we pulled in there at like 8 o'clock that morning. The first service was at 9. They were having 3. And we got there early because there were some media interviews the guys I was with had to do. And so we got there early. When we pulled in, when we pulled in, there was a stream of protesters on one side. And they had signs. You wouldn't believe what they were saying. I can't even, I couldn't even take pictures of it. And they were protesting. Matter of fact, one lady got arrested because she hit a guy in the head with her sign. So they hauled her off to jail. And uh, thankfully, that was the only arrest they had. But there's a lot of shouting going on. So when I came in on the left side, as the church said on the left side, all around the church, all around the church, there were people that were standing there and they were praying at 8 o'clock in the morning. They were standing there and praying. Now, I thought that it was the people of the church. I thought they were just having prayer, that they were expecting the police to show up, which the police did show up. They were expecting them to get citations. I thought, wow, the church is out there ready. They think they're going to jail. They probably are. I thought they're just getting ready and just going to give up easily. But then I got inside the building. And when I got inside the building, I realized that the people that were standing out around the church was not people from their church. It was people from another church that decided to close their service and said, Pastor, we are going to stand with you. And what we're going to do is we're going to stand outside. We're going to block your church. We're going to stand out front. And we're going to make sure that if the police come and give citations, that we are going to be the ones that take the citations so that your church can freely worship this Sunday morning uninterrupted. Y'all, that's the church. That's the way the church should be. They gave up their whole service for another body so that they didn't have, so they didn't have to endure the punishment. So they would take on the punishment. They'd take on the fine. They would take on the ridicule. And they stood out and prayed and prayed for the whole service. And they told the people, you have your service. We will not let people cross this line that ain't supposed to be by it. Y'all, I'm telling you, 
That touched my heart. I've never seen a display, a demonstration of the power of God like that in my life. That spoke to my heart. I thought, would we do the same thing? Would we as a church go and do this? Would we go down the street and stand with another church that was being persecuted by our government or by, would we? Would we do that? I hope we sure would. But I was so touched by that. I was so moved by that. I just, I was a wreck all morning. I couldn't get past the fact that they were willing to take the punishment for another church. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He took the punishment for us so that we could worship in freedom. Come on, y'all. I'm telling you. There has to be a demonstration of who we are in Christ Jesus. And I thought to myself, man, that was powerful. Well, it didn't end there. I thought, well, you know, God is good. So we went in, had the first service. There was probably 1,500 in the first service, 1,000 in the second, 1,000 in the, other, in the third. And what happened between services, uh, we as pastors, I'm telling you, there were like, I don't know how many were there, but I, I, there probably could have been, I know, close to 100 pastors that had left their services to be with them on Sunday. I sat next to a guy that pastored about 200 miles away, and he came to be there. I mean, I just I couldn't get over the response of the body of Christ showing up. But I was standing outside under this tree, and California's beautiful, y'all. It's beautiful. I, I said, Lord, I could live here. <laughs> anyway, but I didn't even sweat. I didn't even sweat. I didn't even break a sweat. The weather so, I didn't even break a sweat, the weather's so perfect. That's hard to believe, I'm telling you. It was beautiful, the breeze off the, I was like, whoo. I was like, whoo. And so I'm standing there and I started talking to this guy who's a missionary to Ireland. And he's a missionary, he'd been home since COVID because of the, the, the pandemic, he's a missionary. He lives on a missionary salary. Matter of fact, got the talking, he's out of Walter Hallam's church in Texas. Small world, isn't it? So I'm sitting there, he's a missionary and he drove all the way up from Texas to be with his pastor. And this is what he said. He said, I didn't, really didn't have the money to come. He said, but I came anyway because as a missionary in Ireland, I know what it's like to be in a foreign country and be someplace where nobody else is standing with you. And I was going to make sure that this pastor was not going to have to stand by himself. Stuff like that is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. It is what we're supposed to be. It's what God has intended us to be. And so now we're seeing this. All of a sudden now we're beginning to see some of this government overreach and things. And, and you say, well, well, you know, Pastor, shouldn't we obey government? I, I'm going to get into that. I'm going I'm I'm to share that with you. I, I want you to know this. I was on a Zoom call yesterday and with a guy by the name of Kelly Shackerford. I don't know if you know him, but I'm going to give you the organization he's with, I'm going to give you a couple guys' organization. If you want to know anything about the Constitution or religious liberty, this is where you need to go. A guy by the name of Kelly Shackerford is a head of an organization called uh, First Liberty, uh, uh, First Liberty Institute, and he's, his website is firstliberty.com, and here's what it is. He's the president of First Liberty Institute. It is the largest religious freedom organization there is. And... Uh, uh, and there was a guy on there by the name of Rick Green. With the, he's called the American Constitution Coach. Him and David Barton have written books together. And uh, uh, he has a whole teaching on civil government and religious rights, all these things. These guys were on there. And as they began to speak, I thought to myself, they began to share with us some of the things that were going on. What's important about religious liberty? Why is it important? You say, well, Pastor Shane, how come you living in Indiana, why in the world would you go all the way out to California, all the way out to Seattle to be with those guys? Why would you do that? Because I'm here to tell you that what now is in California could one day be in Indiana. And I sure hope somebody would show up for us. I sure hope some. Thank God we got a governor. 
We got a governor that is sympathetic to the church and that, and that his restrictions on the church, he recognizes what the Bible says about religious liberty and the ability to assemble ourselves together, and he put no restrictions on the church other than to say, abide by the CDC guidelines, be safe. He, he, he trusted that pastors are smart enough to know how to be safe. Thank God we have a state like that. Thank God we have a state where we are one of the lowest one of the lowest counties in the state of Indiana as far as cases and deaths. But did you all know that deaths in our, in our nation are, is 0.016? Deaths, it's, it's less than the flu. It's less than any pandemic that has come along in the last 15. Now, it doesn't mean, I'm not saying, listen, don't get me wrong. If you, if you it, it's, it's not the virus that someone who has Compromise immunity should get. That's what I'm saying. I'm not arguing whether or not it's dangerous or not. What I'm saying is, is that all of a sudden now, portions of our government are beginning to tread waters that they have not tread in a long time. They're beginning to tread waters that you haven't seen since Czechoslovakia or since the Russia or since the Ukraine. When they began to invade and take away the religious liberties of people, and when they took the religious liberties away, all of a sudden that was the first flash shot that said they can begin to take away every other right away from them. And so on this Zoom call, Kelly Shackford was talking about that he has never seen so many religious liberty cases in all of his life. Last year alone, they defended 374 cases of religious, of religious liberty. The church is being attacked from every, every side. And so, why is religious freedom important? Most Christians say, uh, uh, say that it is, of course. But there's, there's, listen, if you lose your religious freedom, then you lose any voice or any ability to bring hope to the community that you live in. And you say, well, what if you're not a believer? I'm here to tell you that, that even non-believers should have an interest of the government taking away religious rights or taking away any rights that we have. Now, I had a video I wanted to show you. It was Peter Kalkas. He was a he was a, he survived. Uh, he lived through the invasion and the rise of communism in Czechoslovakia, and he gave his testimony about how the government did that. He watched them from afar come in and steal their religious rights. In other words, he said what he said. Well, he's not even a believer. He said that he said they began to chip away little by little at people's rights. A chip away a little by little. And anytime you start taking away people's freedoms, it just goes on and on and on and on, and they never stop. And so, and so you say, well, I just want to be involved in the church, and I don't want to be involved in government or politics. And uh and we're happy for when the Christians that are involved, and even, even listen, we all need to be engaged in our, in our culture. Y'all need to vote. Y'all need to vote. You do. You need to vote. You need to be active. You, we need to have a voice. We need to say, hey, this is what God says. This is what man says. And if we would get out and support, if Christians, listen, 30 per, I mean, like 30% of Christians voted in the last election. Is that crazy? What if we all took a stand and voted and said, hey, we're not going to allow you to take freedoms, rights that were not given by you, they were given by God. Right? They were given by, listen, religious freedom. Our founding fathers it called it our first freedoms because they knew that if you lose freedom, you will lose all your freedoms. If you lose religious freedom, you will lose all your freedoms. I'm telling you, the founding fathers knew that. I love what Peter Caucus said. He said this. He said, he said, the one thing that totalitarianism does that it cannot allow, it does not allow is for citizens to have an allegiance to something higher than the government. That's what communism is. That's what stealing religious rights. It's when people put their faith in something higher than man and higher than government. 
Paul said this. He said, I've come to you with enticing words, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, which is limited. How many know man's limited? But I come with a demonstration of the power of God in your life. And he said, why was this? He said for this, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Y'all understand that our faith, we serve a God much higher than man's wisdom. How many know we have an authority that's much higher and much greater than the one we serve? I'm here to tell you that, that when this stuff begins to happen, listen, communism, uh, 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 antichrist spirit, all these things hate when people serve a higher God, serve a God that sets higher to them. And when we look at them and say, hey, we serve a God that created all things, that made all things, that gave you life, that gave you breath, that puts you on this earth. When they don't believe that, that trings them and, and deters them up inside. And they hate it. Why do you think they attack? Why do you think they attack? Now listen, Kelly Shackford was saying this. He said, in 30 years of defending religious liberties, I've never seen it like I have seen it in this day. And I thought, how, man, how powerful. I mean, here, here he said this. He said, he gave examples. He said on the Zoom call, he said, we defended pastors that were being subpoenaed for their sermons. The government was subpoenaing their sermons. This happened in Texas and in Georgia. He talked about a couple by the name of Aaron and Melissa Klein. Y'all may have, have met that or saw that couple on TV. Aaron and Melissa Klein from Oregon, they had a cake company called Sweet Cakes. They were making wedding cakes. She, Melissa thought this was her ministry. Matter of fact, she would make cakes designed for Christian couples that celebrated the covenant of man and woman and the marriage between man and woman. And she, she did it with love. She prayed over every cake. She prayed over every wedding. And all of a sudden, the government came in. Listen to what they did. They came in, and they, and they filed a lawsuit against her. And so uh, she went, she, they had to go out of business. They lost everything they had. They were bankrupt. They were fined $135,000 for what they did, and they were told by a judge never to speak about their view on marriage. If that's not a violation of the First Amendment, right, I don't know what is. Listen, y'all, listen. Listen to me. You say, well, you're over the top. Well, maybe so, but it's coming to a city near you. Listen to this. There's a, there's a nursing home in Dallas, a senior center in Dallas. The seniors in that home were not allowed, the, the, it's called the Dunbar case, they're, 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 they're not allowed to pray over their meal in a senior center. They said, if you pray over your meal, we're going to take your meals from you. Look at the sign. No song or music can be played on this piano that is a religious song. In the foyer, of the home, they could not play religious songs, nor could they have Bible studies in that place. They're defending a five-year-old girl who, who refuses to stop praying over her meal in elementary school. They told her that school is not the place to pray. And she said the school is a place where everybody needs to pray. <laughs> That's where she told them. And she continues to pray over her meal. They put her in detention. They made her write sentences. They expelled her from school. Folks, this is not Russia. This is in America. This is where you live. And it's subtle, and it's just a small part of what's happening. And we don't hear it because the major media will not let you know that that stuff is going on. Are you getting my groove? You feeling my groove of what's happening? The Supreme Court cases are, he said this, Kelly said this, he said that normally we have one case that goes before the Supreme Court. This past year we had six cases reach the Supreme Court that had to do with religious liberties. He talked about the Coach Kennedy case. Some of you may have heard of Coach Kennedy. 20 years in the Marines. He was watching the, the movie Facing the Giants. As he was watching the movie, God picked his heart that he had to do something that was evangelistic. So after every football game, he'd gather his boys at the center of the field and kneel and begin to pray and thank God for the day, thank God for protecting them, thank God for who he was. All of a sudden, they began to tell him he could not do it. They fired him, 
And it went to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals shot it down and did not give him his job back. And this is what the ruling was. The ruling was coaches are not allowed to pray as long, they can pray as long as no one else can see them do it. That's the Ninth Circuit Court they were in. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'd like for them to tell me to stop praying. We need a little bit more hallelujahs out in the, in the public square. Not to be offensive. Do you see the willing away? It's like a wave coming in and eroding the sand of a liberty that God has given us in the land that God has given us. There's the Bladenburg uh, uh, World War I memorial in San Diego that has just went through the Supreme Court. You know what that is? That statue was, was, was donated by the mothers of the sons that died in California in World War I. The mothers, the government didn't buy that. Government, the veterans didn't buy that. Mothers bought that. Mothers who lost their sons paid for a cross, and people got butt crack crazy because there was a cross on top of a hill. Sorry. <laughs> but they argued it before the Fourth Circuit Court and won. Praise God. Thank God for, for their religious life. They won. But listen, if they had lost, the Fourth Circuit covers Arlington National Cemetery. If they had lost, they would have to take down every cross that is in the National Cemetery in Arlington. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? How about Mary Ann Sue or Mary Ann Sauce? This lady, you know, she was arrested. You know why she was arrested? She was seen by a policeman praying in her house. I am not kidding you. This is, you, you can Google this. She was seen by a policeman. It was outlawed in her county. Open prayer in public places was outlawed. Open prayer visibly was outlawed. And a policeman saw her praying in her house and a rogue policeman arrested her. <laughs> I, I'm not making this stuff up because she prayed in her own home. She prayed in her own home. I don't have time to show you the video, but go look at the video of Oscar Rodriguez. Oscar Rodriguez was a staff major sergeant that retired from the military, and they loved him because he knew when he folded the flag at a retirement service and funerals, he had a speech that he gave while he was doing it, and many people would hire him to do it, and he invoked in the end, he said, God bless uh, uh, God bless our soldiers. God bless America. And he would say that. And he was doing it at a retirement service for another military. And the guy that was the in charge of the military base, the colonel that was in charge of the military base, said he's not going to let him use the word God in this service. So you know what they did? He got up and began to go through. And as he got up, there were, there were other soldiers, NPs, that drug him out of the room because he was going to invoke God's name at the end of the presentation he was going to do. You, you can Google it. Google it. Sergeant Oscar Rodriguez. Watch it. You'll see them carrying him out. Now, i got to say this. God is calling the church to get on the battlefield with his sword and not, and not remain in the stands with pom-poms. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We've been sitting by with pom-poms, waiting for somebody else to do it. It's time for us to pick up a sword and say, hey, this is the word of God. We are not going to back down. We are not going to be ashamed. We are not going to let you steal from us what God has given us. I'm a little fired up about it. So I only got a couple minutes. But I want to take you through some scriptures because it would not, I do this sermon in justice if I didn't take you to the scriptures and showed you what the word of God says about religious rights, about having religious rights. Why our constitution? Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how the Bible had an influence on our constitution. I'm going to take you through and show you that the signers of our declaration of independence used the Bible in order to form the constitution. 
I'm going to show you that in, you're going to find Scripture inside the Constitution. Do you know that there's 14 sentences inside the Constitution of the United States that are direct Bible quotes from the Scripture? You didn't even know that, did you? I'm here to tell you that all the founding fathers, they, 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 I'm telling you, listen, they're not teaching history in our schools. They're not teaching the right stuff to our kids. They're lying. They're giving them secular humanism. They're not telling them the truth about our founding fathers and who they were. And it's not going to change until we put a sword in our hand and say enough is enough. But we have a responsibility as the church to preach the truth of it, to debunk the lies, to tell what it is and look to write documents and tell the story like the story should be told. You have no idea the impact that this book had on the nation you live in. I'm telling you the very principles that you and the freedoms you wake up with every day did not come from secular eggheads that just started writing crazy stuff. It came from something that God put in the heart of men that started this nation. This word is truth. They used it. They used it to set up our government. They used it to set up our separation of powers. Jeremiah 13 was used to set up our separation of powers. Every aspect of the Constitution, every part, every portion of our government was considered by the Word of God. And they always quote, our least favorite, uh, or the least religious founding fathers, Jefferson and Franklin. But I want to tell you, a lot of the myths of Jefferson are lies. But they had a respect for the Word of God. I want, to, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you real quickly. Go to Ephesians. Listen. Christ is Lord of all. He is the one true head of the church. Do you all agree with that? Jesus is the one true. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I know it's in the Bible here. I'll find it. Hang with me. I read it. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. I'm just going to give you this scripture. You can write some scriptures. I'm just going to give you to write down. You can read later. But Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, the Bible tells us this. It says, and he put all things under his feet and gave, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. What's that mean? That means Jesus is our Savior. He is our head. He, put, he gave all things to the church. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, 23. Look what it says. You're very familiar with this scripture. For the husband is head of the wife, also as Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of who? The body. Right? He's the savior of the body. Turn with me to Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. This is the scripture I want you to see. Colossians 1.18. The Bible says this. It says, let no man, let me make sure that's the right scripture. Colossians 1.18, Almond 2. Okay. Colossians, Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that is in all things in him, may, he may have what? All preeminence. What does that mean? It means that he holds first place in all things. It means that Christ is the head of the church. He, it means this. The word literally means that he has no equal. How many know God has no equal? Christ has no equal. How many know he's the head of the church? What he commands the church to do, the church is to obey and respond to. How many know he's the head of all things? The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14 that he that makes war with the Lamb will be overcome. He will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and those with him are called chosen and faithful. In other words, what are we establishing? We are establishing the fact that, that the church and that all Christians are under Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Because of that, 
Scripture, his teaching us. Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to any kind of government imposing on our worship, our regular corporate gatherings, and, and that would cause us to be disobedient to what the Lord has commanded us to do as a church. And you say, well, pastor, what about Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2? I'm glad you ask. Because the Bible tells us that we, to resist authority, is to resist the authority of God. And the Bible tells us it will even bring judgment upon ourselves. Not only that we are to be, obey governing authorities, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. That's what 1 Peter 2.18 says. But in so much as the government authorities do not attempt to assert ecclesiastical authority or issue orders that forbid our obedience to God's law. So here's here's what you need to understand. What you need to understand is we are to obey uh, uh, Caesar. We are to obey the things that Caesar has set up. We are to obey everything that, that, that... Natural authority has been over us in the the world, but when it comes to the church, Christ is head of the church, and that the government has never been given right to impose upon the ecclesiastical commands of God. In other words, God has made elders and pastors, and he has appointed them as head of the church. He's a head of the church, and that government has never been given the right to impose on top of the ecclesiastical authority God has set up in the church. Listen to me. That's why this is so subtle. That's why this is so subtle. Because we find ourselves falling all over ourselves. Well, I don't want to disobey the government. I don't want to disobey the government either. But they've never been given authority to step into the places of divine authority. God created three institutions. He created the family the church, and the state. All three of those institutions have been governed by authority. The governor of the authority is the head of the house, which is the man. God never gave the church the authority to walk in and tell a father what he's to do in raising his children. We're to guide, we're to support, we're to counsel, right? Why? Because in each institution, God has set up headship. God has set up authority. And what is happening in America is that that Caesar is coming into the church and coming in and saying, hey, you've got to do what I tell you to do. You've got to stop having... See, it's not about safety, y'all. Listen, throw that television away. Throw it away. They're crazy. They're a bunch of fools. I'm just telling you, listen. There is an antichrist spirit that is trying to shut down the body of Christ. Let me tell you what they did yesterday in Seattle. You can Google all this. I'm just telling you, Google it all. You, you'll find it. I'm not telling you anything. It's not true. I'm telling you, I've researched. I've, I've not, not thrown anything at you that is not true. Yesterday, Seattle. So what they started doing was they started telling the churches, well, you can open, but you can only open at 25% capacity. In other words, if your building holds 100 people, you can only have 25 people at church. But they got to wear a mask. And if we catch you not wearing a mask, we're going to shut your church down. We're going to find you and shut your church down. So many of those in Seattle, many of the pastors, some I've met, you know, they're trying to be do right. They're trying to be safe. They're trying to be You know, they're trying to be responsible. Well, yesterday, let me tell you what the government did. They told them now, 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 there's not been an increase in cases. There's not been an increase in deaths. They just want to do it. Because they think that there's going to come another wave, and they want to lock down and prevent another wave from coming. Okay, listen, listen, it's not here now, but I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the governor we had, we, we we might have somebody just as nutty you know, as, as what's up there, I don't know. Listen, so they tell them now, you can have two people on the platform, on your worship team. They have to wear a mask when they sing, and the pastor has to preach with a mask on. 
So how does the church respond to that? I want to tell you, if I had to wear a mask while, while preaching, while I just come into the oxide, would hit my brain, I'd be dead. De- y'all be hauling me out of here on my... I can't even get enough air as it is. I just rode six hours on a plane from California, and my ear, I got an ear infection. My throat was so sore. I had headache the whole time. I can't imagine. But see, it's not about safety. It's trying to stop the gospel and the spread of the church. They just want to see how far they can go. They just want to see where they can take you. I want to tell you on Sunday, they didn't show up to arrest people. They just intimidated. They just wanted them to be afraid. They tried to keep people away and try to keep them from coming. But thank God for the winds of persecution. I love it when the church is persecuted because then it begins to wake up. So instead of having 2,000 on a Sunday, they had 4,000 there on Sunday. Why? Because they know that God has given us every right to be the church. I've got to quit. There's more scripture that I would love to give and I want to, would love to share with you. But I, I'm here to tell you that, that, and maybe I'll do that. We all know that God has, in, has established the institute. Government officials have no right to intervene in the ecclesiastical matters in a way that undermines and disregards God's given authority to pastors and elders. He, he gave that authority, Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. He told Peter, what did he tell Peter? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And what did he say? For I have given you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth is bound on earth. What you bind in heaven is bound. What is he saying? I have given you the authority, the authority, the authority to speak on the earth. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us in this hour. Help us, Jesus. Help us today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through chapter 4, verse 2. God is commanding Timothy. He's telling Timothy, he said, give instruction in righteousness, rebuke, correct, contend for the faith. He's telling him that in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine. What's he doing? He's giving Timothy the authority to stand in a place of authority, correct, instruct, and guide the church. He didn't call Caesar in to do that. He told Timothy to do that. I'm going to stop, I promise. Jesus standing before Pilate. Jesus said, you have no authority over me unless it has been given to you from above. That's what I say to the governor of Washington. That's what I say to these, these, listen, now, I'm not, I hate when these things bleed into the politics because y'all think I'm, I'm trying to, but listen, listen, isn't it amazing that a lot of the trouble that the church is having is in, is in these godly, in these ungodly, godless governors who are atheists, evolutionist, don't believe in God's authority, don't believe in God, don't believe in the church being able to meet. Isn't it amazing? Amazing that the governors who have a semblance of respect for the church, that all of their, all of the things they're doing, they're not trying to restrict the church. Why? Because they have an understanding of where authority comes from. They have an understanding that authority comes from God and not from man. But it's not about being safe. It's about, listen, in Kentucky, in Kentucky, they were going to let the, they were going to make them not sing in church until, until the, the attorney general filed a lawsuit against the governor. Thank God for him. Daniel Cameron, I'll just say his name. Daniel Cameron. Guess what? He grew up in a Pentecostal mom's home, a mother who was a prayer and full of the Holy Ghost. God raised him up for such a time as this. He became the attorney general of Kentucky. And when Caesar said, you can't worship, God had him in the right place at the right time for the right moments. How many know God is smart? Now, I'm not mad, y'all. I'm not mad. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm mobilizing you. I'm mobilizing you to a place of demonstration. I'm mobilizing you to a place to get up off the pew and do something for the kingdom of God. (laughs) Oh, there's so much more about it. 
I'm going to close with this. I got to close with this scripture, 1 John 5, 19. It tells us this. Revelation 9, 11 says this. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Do you know that 1 John 5, 19 says this? That the whole world lies in the power of the hands of the evil one. What is 1 John saying? It's saying you cannot trust man. You cannot trust man. They're a wicked, evil man. But there is one who is coming on a white horse. He is one that judges the whole world. He is faithful and true. He is always faithful to us. His promises are yes and amen tonight. He's worthy to be praised. And ain't nobody going to keep me from singing in the body of Christ. I'm going to sing. If they hold me out by my hair, I'm going to sing. Glory to God. Adam, if you come, I want to leave you with this, with this little story. You know, I have, I, I've shared with you all, you know, everywhere we've been, we've had these, me and Lord's had these encounters with eagles, and I just, eagles, 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 flying eagles, eagles that fly, we've seen these eagles, we, these times in our life, there's been these eagles that come, and I've always been, I've always loved the scripture in Isaiah. Where it says that you shall mount up with eagle's wings. And so I thought, Lord, as I was praying over this, and, and this passage of scripture, Paul is demonstrating. And I thought, Lord, being active, and I had this, I, I'm, I'm thumbing through Facebook, and my neighborhood, Hertford Lake, has a Facebook page. It's a neighborhood Facebook, Facebook page, not Facebook page, Facebook page. And they put stuff on there, like when people are driving too fast through the neighborhood, slow down. When their neighbor, they don't like them, they put their names on there. <laughs> it's just a neighborhood. I guess you can call it a gossip page. I don't know. They warn you when things are going on. You know, hey, somebody stole my kid's bike. If you see a blue bike, beat them up and give us our bike back. Kind of stuff. And it's, it's not that bad, really. But in Hereford Lake, we have, the last couple of years, there's been an eagles that have lived on our lake. And, uh, of course, you know the eagles are uh, monogamous. And uh, they've lived on our lake, and they come and go. And uh, I always know when they're around because we don't see the geese. <laughs> and, uh, but here's what happened. They, the other day, somebody was out, and they saw that eagle on the lake, and he was, he was struggling. He couldn't, he couldn't fly. He, he was docile. He was limpless. He didn't have, he wasn't, you could tell in his countenance that he wasn't an eagle. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't being like what an eagle is. How many know eagles are majestic birds? How many know that God says that he speaks through us, through creation, that we see the attributes of God through all of creation, and because of that, we as men are not without excuse. In other words, we see the character of God, and I'm telling you, there's no more greater character of God than seeing God in an eagle. That's why many churches are named after eagles. That's why, that's why our nation is named after eagle. Can you believe Ben Franklin wanted a turkey? <laughs> I know some turkeys. It would have been good. That's what Ben Franklin wanted the national bird to be. But uh, it, it's, uh, it was an, it's an eagle. and So they got the eagle, and they were trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And the wings were fine. Its beaks, its talons, everything checked out. But when they, they found out that the eagle's heartbeat that there was that eagle was in total exhaustion. And that you ever heard of eagle syndrome? It's where total fatigue comes on you, kind of like fibromyalgia or whatever it is. There's a there's a syndrome called eagle syndrome. It's a syndrome that comes on eagles when they when they when they have eight diets that they weren't supposed to be eating, they fall into what's called eagle syndrome. They fall into an exhaustion because they're created to eat fresh flesh. They're created to eat only the best of the best, and when they don't diet on that, then what happens is they fall into what's called exhaustion. 
They lose every bit of their majesty, majesticness. So this eagle, they found out, was exhausted, but they also found another thing. They found out that this eagle was, had a parasite. And, of course, the veterinarian knew for sure that the reason that that eagle could not fly and go was that par- parasite had drained it of all of its energy, and that eagle in itself was in total exhaustion. And they know that he was eating on something he should not have been eating on. And I thought to myself, I kept thinking of that scripture. The beauty of an eagle. That that eagle is not expressing what it should be. That eagle is not what it should be. And I thought of our nation. I thought, we, we, we have our, it's our national bird. But are we as a nation really, really exemplifying the majesty of what God had created us and wanted us to be as a nation and as a church? I think the reason is, is because we've been dieting on something and eating off of feeding off things we're not supposed to be feeding off, and the church has fallen into exhaustion, and we have a parasite because we've been eating things. The church has been feeding on things that are not healthy, and what happens is there's total exhaustion in the body. But how many know God doesn't just leave us that way? Let me tell you what the remedy of it is. You know what they're doing? You know how they're remedying it? There's an oil mix that they make. And they're taking oil and they're putting it on the torso of that eagle. And they're giving him treatments. They oil him and then they wash it off. They oil him and they wash it off. Guess what happens? That oil penetrates that eagle and draws that parasite out of his body. I thought to myself, isn't that what the anointing does to the body of Christ? Come on, y'all. How many know when the anointing of God touches your life, everything that brings exhaustion and drain to your life, all of a sudden God removes the parasite? Don't you think it's about time God begins to remove the things in our lives that keep us from being what God has created us to be? Stand with me if you would tonight. Thank you. It's five after eight. Thank you for the extra five minutes. Listen, y'all. I'm passionate about this, and I'm sorry if you think I'm over the top, but I'm just telling you, it's not here now. I had somebody on Facebook saying, why are you getting all bent out of shape? Why are you going everywhere? It's not Indiana. We ain't got no problems in Indiana. Well, they thought they didn't, wasn't going to have any problems ever in California either. But you got to know what the Bible says. you got to know. you got to know what your religious rights are. You've got to know. What they can do and what they can you got to know what the Bible says. What the Bible's empowered you to do. We're so, we're, so, we're, so, we're so Bible illiterate in this day, we would not know if Caesar showed up. I want to encourage you all to go online, and I want you to watch Pastor Rob McCoy's sermon from Sunday. It's God Speak, Calvary Chapel, Thousand Oaks, California. Go online and watch it. It'll bless you. He talked about liberty. And you will see just the outpouring of love and a demonstration of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And so go online and watch it. I want to encourage you to watch it. It'll build your faith. I know it built it. You know, he was exhausted, he said. But seeing all them pastors, and you know, I'm telling you, when you're going through a battle, you all know, when you're going through a battle, you you can't help but be thankful for the church. I don't know where I'd be in my life if I didn't have God's people around me in critical times in my life. And I'm telling you, as the days are approaching, as the evil one gets, gets more aggressive, we need the body of Christ. I think we need to stop fussing about certain things that don't really matter as much and start binding our, hooking our arms together and say, you mess with one of us, you're messing with all of us. Huh? Right? Lord, we love you. I love you tonight. I'm so full of joy. We are a people who have a hope. And we thank you that you've given us that hope. Nobody's stealing my joy. Nobody's stealing my salvation. And nobody's going to steal my praise. I will shut up for nobody. And I will stand and proclaim the gospel all the days of my life. 
And God, I pray for a strength in this, into this nation, a, 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 a rise in righteousness. We have an election, God, and you're in control. Let righteousness rise and let evil be exposed. And we thank you, God, that you're in control. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.